You're listening to Kick It, Don't Quit It, a motivational, spiritual podcast seeking to spread love and grace. We are thankful you have tuned in. So without further ado, come kick it with the girls, don't quit on the world. Don't quit it again. I've got uh, Aaron and Holly with me here. Hello, hey guys. <laughs> so, um, it's like we've never done. I'm that. sorry, I'm awkward. <laughs> I can't. It's been it. a couple weeks since we podcasted, and Megan has forgotten exactly how to do it. She's got her coffee though, so hopefully she'll stay awake this time. I'm on the coffee. You guys may not have noticed, but the last time we podcasted, she fell asleep in the middle of it. So, um, we were captivating. <laughs> Me and Ollie, we just really kept her attention. We podca- We normally um, record on a Friday night, and something had come up, and we weren't able to, so the only play- time to fit it in was on a Sunday night, a Sunday afternoon after church, That's my and that is Megan's nap time, and if she doesn't get a nap, she doesn't stay awake, so... Yeah, so we we don't podcast on Sunday afternoons anymore. (laughs) Well, and it's funny that you say that, Erin, because today we're talking about showing up our authentic self, so that is my authenticity at its finest. I'm getting a nap after church, baby. Yeah. Yeah, she's going. I I I almost made a not politically correct joke. (laughs) I want to hear it now. (laughs) After the podcast, (laughs) we'll have to remember. Uh, Oh goodness, so. Um, so Holly, what does being your authentic self, what does that mean to you? So, um, I work in corporate America and, uh, I've had an opportunity to be in a lot of meetings and, uh, we recently had a meeting in Dallas where we all came together and, um, it was interesting because we were asked to just be radically authentic be honest just throw caution to the wind and just say what was on our mind we got so much done because we stopped worrying about just being soft and we stopped worrying about hurting other people's feelings and we just said what was the truth and i think um and we admitted to mistakes that we made right I think when we admit to mistakes that we made and we just relax and we stop trying to patty cake and powder people's butts, then um, we we get things done quicker. Right. Well, and I think when when we're our authentic self, we have the ability to admit our mistakes. We can, we can, because we're not trying to be something that we're not. Yeah. So if we're just, just being who we are being our true self um then people get to know us for who we are (laughs) people get to know us for who we are and they don't expect something different you know it's we get in trouble when we try to act like where we are something we aren't because then people expect something that we can't follow through with that's exactly right i was um studying this morning and we were we were talking i was talking to the lord (laughs) i don't know exactly what he was what does his voice sound like i always picture megan (laughs) 
So uh, we were we were just chit chatting, and um, I I was studying about the miracles that was being done mm-hmm. in Acts. This is after Christ died right. for our sins, and this is when the first church began, right? So Jesus was doing all of these miracles, and then he he sent the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost gave us power. And so Peter and John, I believe it was John, I don't have my notes in front of me, but I think it was Peter and John, they were going, um, they saw the beggar. The Bible yep. says that the beggar saw, he was by the gate beautiful. It was Peter and John, because my dad used to sing a song. Peter and John. And, yeah. <laughs> okay, so. I, Peter I'm and going, John happened by the, that way. I'm, I've got. To, I'm going somewhere with this. I've got. To, I've got a point. So Peter and John, they're going into the gate beautiful, or by the gate beautiful, and the beggar was there, and the Bible said that he looked up, and then he asked alms of them when he saw them. That the the Bible says he saw them. So when they came over to them, they told him to look up. Well, how did he see them if he wasn't already looking up? So I, back then, from what I understand and what my study showed me, was that beggars had to look down. They couldn't look you in the eye. Oh, they just looked at your feet. They, they knew that somebody was coming by because they saw shadows or they saw feet, but they weren't, they were so lowly, they weren't right. allowed to look at people because they were considered beneath Right. So um, there's so much to unpack in this story. I mean, miracles and, and power. and But I thought it, I got to really thinking about it and kind of mulling it over in my head. And um, when they said, look up, they were saying, look at us. You're not, you're not lowly. You're not this beggar. That's not your identity. Even though society has given to him because he was... I mean, he was a he was lame since birth. It said since the womb. So not only did God heal him, it was like changing his eye color. I mean, it was it was part of who he was. He was born with it, just like you're born with your eye color. It was such an amazing healing. And he asked for alms, and they said, "Silver and gold, I have none." So they really showed up who they were. They they didn't show up like, hey. You know, we we don't have much money, but you know, we could we don't even know if this guy knew Jesus. We don't know if he was a believer. We just know that he was a beggar. And now I thought it was interesting that Peter and John they showed up who they were, and that was the follower of Christ. Right. And someone who had power, who was full of the Holy Ghost. They believed so much. I want to be known as that. I want to be known as a believer, even with the people that I work with. Yeah. So I know that for me personally, um, there are there are things that I don't do at work that other people do. Um, and there are things that are said and, and that kind of thing that I don't, I don't participate in. Um, and... For the most part, um, we've had new people come in and they'll talk a certain way and I've had people respond, oh, we don't talk like that in Aaron's office. Oh, you know, you know, shh, watch your mouth. Aaron doesn't talk like that. We, we respect that. 
you know, and so, and I don't, I've never come out and said, no, you can't say that in my office. No, you can't talk that way in my office. No, you can't act that way in my office. But I don't have to Mm -mm. because who I am and how I carry myself and how I act shows that, reflects that. And people automatically understand that. I was the same way in high school. Um, I was a pastor's daughter. Um, so there was things I didn't do. I didn't go to parties. I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. I know that there are some pastor's kids that are out there that, that do. Cause the, you know, that, they always say the pastor kids, pastor's kids are the wild kids. Well, I wasn't, I was the homebody. Um, I preferred to be at my house with my mom <coughs> and my sister. Well, mainly my mom. Cause me and my sister didn't always get along when we were kids. Um, but my, my friends were over and we hung out at my house, but I just wasn't, it just, the party scene wasn't my scene. And that's, that's where I was. Yeah. And so you I weren't had, there. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had friends who they did that stuff and they just, they didn't invite me and it wasn't because they didn't want me there. It was just because they knew that's not my character. That was not who I was. If if we were going to hang out, we were going to be going to the bowling alley or we were going to be going skating or we were going to a movie. We were going to go do something that my parents were probably going to drop us off and pick us back up, you know, until we got cars So and do stuff. you find it difficult for people to open up about their mistakes to you because you didn't really make them? Um, yes and no. To some extent, I know that, you know, me and Megan are in the, the sisterhood ministry together. And I know that there have been times that the kids have gravitated more towards her. Of course, there's also an age difference. Megan is closer to their age than I am. I'm, I'm closer to their mom's age um, than, than, than to their age. And so I do know that they have gravitated to Megan some when it comes to things like that um because she did go through that and so sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody who's been there and done that because i don't i can tell you what the bible says i can you know i can talk to you about you know where where christ would be leading you towards but to speak from experience i don't have I have experience with other things, but I don't have experience with the party lifestyle. It was never anything that that really I was interested in. I never was, oh, I, I just, I feel like I'm missing out because I'm not out drinking with my friends or I'm not out doing drugs. It just, that was never anything that, that appealed to me, so. So my whole life I've, I've struggled. <clears throat> to show up as my authentic self because um, I've been a part of the the drinking scene, the drug scene. Um, I've done everything. <laughs> I've done it all. I've done it young and I've, I've done it all. There's not many things I haven't done. There are a few, but there's not many. Um, and even looking back to, to that season of my life, I still wasn't my authentic self. And so... Um, I really feel like, I mean, I, I've been in church, this this is eight years. Next year will be nine years I've been in church. 
2024 will be my ninth year in church. I've been in church for eight years, and I, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I really think I'm just now really finding out who I am, truly. Um, and there are times I've still seen you. Um, I mean, to be honest, this past Monday night at Bible study, mm-hmm. I saw you shrink. I saw you pull back. Yeah, you've I had a tough you. week. You mm-hmm. have had a really tough mm-hmm. week. And so, I mean, and I've, I've seen that because I've seen you be bold. I've seen you speak and, mm-hmm. and just be Megan. Yeah. And then I've seen you... Be small. Be small, pull back, and feel like you're not worthy and you're not good enough. Yeah. Um, so what causes you to do that? What happens when, when you notice that switch? Because I know the switch has gone off when I get texts from you going, Love me! <laughs> love, do you not love me anymore? And it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you know we're all in meetings and we're all doing stuff and you're like... And I'm like, is she not working? <laughs> Girl, I mean, to know that would be to be God. I mean, I just... No, I think to know it would be self-aware. Yeah, I mean, I... I think a lot. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just, that's just something that's been so heavily ingrained in me. And it, I'm not throwing either one, one of my parents under the bus by any means, but my childhood, I see that a lot in there. I see, I mean, growing up, I see, I see now looking back as a, as a more mature adult, <laughs> more, not completely, but more <laughs> mature adult keyword. Um, I, I see how things were placed inside of me is just a, you know because the devil doesn't wait until you're 18 I mean he's he's roaming he's seeking and I just see how certain events have occurred into my life and then events that my parents brought about and then I watched how I repeated them so like if you're if you're in your office and you're sitting there and that feeling washes over you is it because nobody has talked to you in a while is it because you've been busy and not communicated? Is it because you're not reading your Bible? Is it what what is it that you think you notice is something you're not getting when you start feeling that way? Uh, the season I'm in right now, I really feel like I'm being a support and I really feel like I'm giving more. Um and as a human being, as an unperfected, not perfected Christian, mm-hmm. as just a human, just raw flesh. Um, sometimes you can give out a little bit if I'm being honest and you don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, if anyone knows me, I mean, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong openly, but I'm a very loving person. I'm somebody who makes sure that, you know, I love you. I support you. I'm hugging. I'm telling you, I'm reminding you, I, I'm, I'm big on those things and I don't always get that back. So let me repeat to you what I just heard. You're pouring out. But you're not getting anything poured in. Sometimes, I mean, there's, there's, I do get poured in, but, but for, I think that's how I feel sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes I think to myself, maybe you're not, maybe you're not a candidate for that. Maybe you're not, there's, it's not, you know, you're just, I don't want to say you're not worth it, but, but I've, I've got other people that are fresher in this that need that pouring. So you're just going to have to, keep trucking hun you know what i mean and and there, there are situations where that's true because you can't do it all and i mean i'm asking because i'm really interested yeah because our purpose changes mm-hmm. and so because i struggled with this for a long time where if i didn't hear from someone for a while i'm like they're probably mad or i would invent the look like i know she just mean mugged me 
or you know i would totally invent like this thing this whole scenario in my mind that wasn't even true and it was because i was feeling insecure but what i realized was i hadn't realized my purpose and my purpose wasn't to receive it wasn't to be poured into because the lord and the word of god was supposed to be pouring into me that's what i was supposed to be pouring into me and what i was pouring out was supposed to be love so for me i had to realize my purpose had to change i taught on purpose today at a women's rehab that's that's funny you say that that's absolutely what i, I spoke on today that's what we we our lesson was about and centered around but i mean i i, I get up every morning um I pride myself. I've started getting up at four, come and on, come on, girl. I have, you know, I do my reading and um, prayer time, and I've been going to the gym, and I feel great. I feel better. That's good. Um, but back to point, um, uh, I maybe I maybe it's just my person. Maybe it's a, a defect in me that I need that or I want that so bad. I, I, I couldn't I tell you. I don't accept that. You're not a <laughs> defect. Well, I just, not everybody, I, I see women and men. I don't. Some people don't require that. Mm-hmm. They don't. And, and they're completely settled. And I, I do. And, I, I, and I'm not a fan that I require that. I'm not. I'm well, not happy with well, that. Well, I think. But it's, it's it is. It I, is. I do think that, that, that some of this, that comes from our childhood. I, I do. Yeah. Because, um. I mean, I, I talked about it at Bible study this past week that um, my I had to, growing up, I was always taught that I had to be a certain way, that I had to, uh, I had to project myself a certain way because I was the pastor's daughter and I was the oldest pastor's daughter. So I had, you know, I had to portray who I, who I was supposed to be and give my sister an example of who to be because I was the oldest. Um... And so there was a lot of pressure put on me to be perfection. I mean, just plain and simple. I was I was supposed to, to dress the right way, talk the right way, act the right way. I, I, I was supposed to be the example of what a Christian and what a, pastor, a pastor's daughter was supposed to be. Um, and part of that is the reason why I didn't go to parties and why I didn't drink and why I didn't do any kind of drugs because that, that was, I had to be that perfection. Um, but it made it really hard. And then I looked to my dad to be the example of a father, of the father, and he struggled. He struggled with being that because of things that had happened to him when he was a kid and that had happened in his home that he had witnessed that he didn't want to happen in his home, but he wasn't for certain how to keep that from happening other than to just not have interaction with his kids very much. I bet that made it really difficult for you to show up as your authentic self. Oh, yeah. I am so mean. I feel so mean because I don't have that at all. I had a crappy childhood. I mean, terrible. But I don't live there. I don't even think about it anymore. I forget that I had a crappy childhood until somebody starts talking about their crappy childhood and how that's affecting them as an adult. And I'm like, that stinks. That don't affect me. I, I, I just and, don't and have I, it. And I, w- I wish that was me. I, I think a lot of what happened to me, it, it, I, I just, I really 
I love my father, but it really created a huge void in my heart. It did. Well, my father was in prison, went to prison for what he did to us. Yeah. And, I mean, I would say it made me who I am today, but, I mean, who I am is so far removed from, yeah. from that. I just chose to be different. I just chose to be, I chose to shut my mouth, stop being offended, read my word and try to imitate what Jesus wants me to be and just love people. And I, I want to forgive and not hold it against people. I want to give without expectation of anything in return. I want to do all the things that Christ has called me to do to love, care for, and, and I just, um, I can't do that if I hold on to that person that I was because who I was was angry bitter, insecure. I just, I don't, I don't identify with that person anymore. My identity now, if I was to say like, you know, what do you think of yourself? Like what, if your, your purpose, if I was to say what my purpose is at this moment, um, my purpose is to be a servant. That's, that's plain and simple. I mean, that's my heart. Because a servant's heart loves people. A servant's heart wants others to do just as good, if not better, than them. A servant's heart is to see people touched, healed, restored, delivered, um, and to give them a place of home. And that's my heart. And that's what you do. And that's what I do. And But I will say, that, um, not just a couple weeks ago, I had a really rough week. Um, my servant's heart was tasked to the max. Uh, we had, I had a son who was getting married, who all week long, all I was thinking about was, okay, what do I have to do Friday and Saturday to make sure that this wedding goes off without a hitch, that they are able to have the best day. So they can get hitched. Where they can get hitched. <laughs> where they don't have to worry about anything. Where they can come in, they can get their hair done, they can change their clothes they can take their pictures and they don't have to worry about anything for that day as little as possible on so that was my thought process starting on that sunday that's a lot of pressure a lot of pressure but a lot of pressure i've put on myself you know i knew i had all the stuff that i needed to have but it was just like when you have multiple moving parts when you have multiple families coming together putting things together you're like okay I know what my vision is. What is their vision? And are they going <laughs> to coincide the way that they need to to make this go off without a hitch? So that was Sunday. Then Monday, I get a call from my, one of my other daughter-in-laws. And she says, Mom, does this sound like an appendicitis? And I'm like, well, yeah, it kind of does. It could also be a kidney infection. It could be a bladder infection. There, I mean, there are a lot of things that, on that side of the body, that it could be. And she's like, well, I did the jump up and down thing. I didn't fall, but I'm hurting really, really Jump up bad. and down thing? When you have an appendicitis, if you jump and land, and when you land, it pretty much takes your breath away and you want to fall to the floor because it's a reaction to the feet. It's the something about that you can also lay down and just hit the bottom of your foot does the same thing i i used to think that if you jump up and down you wouldn't be pregnant anymore 
I, I have either. three kids, so I found it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go so ahead. Um, there's also a rebound if you push in, and then when you release, if it hurts worse, like if the pain goes away when you push in, and then when you let go, the pain like again almost wants you to to fall to the floor. It's normally an appendicitis. So, and one out of eight people have an appendicitis, and I've had three in my family in the last year. So, I'm, I'm ready for that to be over. <laughs> Good night. Yeah, so we've had three. I'm like, okay, we're, we're done. Um, but if you've had your gallbladder removed, you are more likely to have an appendicitis. I don't have a gallbladder. Of course, I don't have a stomach either. I've got a lot of parts that are gone. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so my daughter ends up on that Tuesday, my daughter-in-law ends up on that Tuesday going and actually having an appendectomy. So is that appendicitis related? That is. That's okay. that's that's the removal of your appendix. Um so she she is also was also the maid of honor for the wedding that was coming up that following week. Um that following Saturday. I felt like a bad mom because on that Monday she went and had her C T with a contrast and I said it'll be thirty minutes before we have any results. And she calls me and she says, Should I come to the rehearsal? Because they had the rehearsal for the wedding that Monday night. And I was like, well, you've got 30 minutes before you're going to know anything. You might as well be out here with family. And so then she's I felt, dying and you require her to go? And I gotcha. So then I felt like a horrible mom because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm either letting one down or letting the other down or letting them both down all at the same time. So then I'm a horrible mom because I didn't just tell her to go to the ER and wait for her results. Then um, we had a, a funeral um, at our church um, over the hospitality team. It was during the week, so I took off a day. Oh, I was at the funeral. I took a I took a day off so that I could make sure that the the food and everything was was good for the family. That was so kind. Thank you very much. You're by welcome. The way. But it was just there was so much, and so here I am feeling like a failure. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, I was feeling like a failure. I was feeling like a horrible person. Like I couldn't do anything right. In the middle of trying to do everything right. Um, and then I get a text from Sister Reba. And she mm. was just, I just want to let you know how appreciative I am of you. Mm. And all the things that you do. And I told my mom, I said, this is, this is what, this is what God is. This is what love is. Because in the middle of everything, she doesn't know anything else that's going on. She just reached out. She just sent a text. I feel like such a dirtbag now. I never reached out to you. And I really, <laughs> I even thought to myself, I need to thank her. She did so much and such a good job. I that week and asked you if you still I didn't text me. you. I'm letting you now. now. <laughs> she said, did you still love me? I had, but the thing is, is, I said Sister Eva, but there was multiple people that week who reached out to me and just told me that I was doing an amazing job, that they no. loved me. I did tell you that too. Yeah, ask me, yes. In the made, midst of, do you still love me? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, there are times when we are in our purpose. Now, I know, like, at, at this moment, I am in my purpose. I am doing what God has asked me to do. I know that there are things that are coming because he keeps telling me there's something there's something coming down the pike. There, I need you to be prepared for this because there are things that are about to happen that I'm, I'm calling you into. I don't know what those are yet. Um, I know that there are things, but I know I'm walking in my purpose. 
because I'm walking in my purpose, there are things that attack me because they don't want me to walk in my purpose. No. I swear no, you went with me today whenever I told on this. Well, so, I, have, <laughs> I have a story about something that happened at the funeral that will make you laugh. <laughs> it probably wasn't laughable at the time. It is but it, it's certainly worth telling. So while you were dealing with all of that, I was at the funeral. Yeah, I only, person about, in my, I only stayed 15 minutes, and I came in after and left before anything else happened. So. so this is my family, and I apologize to anybody who recognizes my voice. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, we, my brother-in-law passes away. And he's been sick a long time. And him and my sister divorced. And my niece became his power of attorney. And so he had some property in this area that had been in his family for a long time. And also had a life insurance policy, which he never took my sister's name off of. And he never took my sister's name off of the property. So he passes away. So guess who everything gets everything? My sister. Well, my sister had let, when she had, when they had split up, she had left him in a not very good way. There was, there was some big mistakes made. So that's the backstory. So he has some sisters. <laughs> and they don't care for her a whole lot. One in particular really doesn't. She had, she had really done a, a lot to cause some issues with my niece. My niece is young. She's 23. She's a baby. But she's doing everything she can to care yeah. for everything. I mean, just working so hard in the process of buying her first home. And um, she's taking care of all of the arrangements. She's taking care of her family. She's, taking, she's in a new marriage. I mean, this, this kid's extraordinary. And the whole time, this aunt... The sister of my brother-in-law is just raising Cain. So my niece says, I don't want her there while I'm there because she's just going to cause trouble. So we all go in. The family goes in first. And, and my niece is just up there just travailing at the casket. He had said he wanted to be cremated. Well, the sisters did not want him cremated. But this, is, this was his wish. Um, and it's not something that my niece even wanted to do, but it was what he wanted. So um, she's up there just travailing. I'm standing back by the double doors. The funeral director says, we're not going to let anybody else in. So here comes his sister. I can hear her come in the back door, and he's not letting her through. I can hear her yapping. Yep, 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 yep. And I can't make out everything, but just, a, you know, every other word or something. And I'm looking at my husband going... Ooh, it's fixing to get hot. And then our assistant pastor comes in, and I hear her say, That's the pastor! <laughs> she is hot to trot. And then I hear her say, I've got a concealed to carry weapon. What's, what's the policy on that? No, better nobody touch me. I've got a concealed... I mean, she's just raising Kane, and I mean, he, he comes through the door, and he said, I told the funeral director, you better call the police, because something's going to get started up here. Now, his sister is a pastor's wife. They run a church. Mm. And so I'm like, I can't. I, I'm, I'm, 
I don't know about other churches, but if our pastor's wife was behaving this way, I don't even know what would happen. Our pastor would take her out. Uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that's 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 a side point, but. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he would not allow it. No. So okay. So anyway, we all go in a we all go in a side room where family is, so that my brother in law's sisters can come in and and see him and pay their respects and spend some time with him. And my sister goes outside to smoke, mm-hmm. and a few other people do. They they go outside to smoke, and so I'm in there with my niece. And she gets up to go get a drink of water, and she comes back in, and she says, Oh, my gosh, Aunt Holly, you got to go out there. Aunt so-and-so is, Aunt Watermelon is killing Mom. you got to get out there. (laughs) So I run out. And, of course, I get behind every single person who's moving like a snail. And I'm, like, pushing people over. And I get out there, and all I see is a wad of hair floating in the breeze. Come to find out. She wasn't killing this, Aunt, Aunt this, Watermelon. Aunt, so Aunt Watermelon goes out there and she puts her finger in my sister's face and bah, 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 and hauls off and slaps her square in the face. These women are in their 50s. <laughs> slaps her right in her face. And then my sister grabs her by the hair of the head and rips half of her hair out. And, and um, the assistant pastor looks over, well... My son grabs a hold of one, and another person grabs a hold of the other, separates them. Past, the pastor goes, our assistant pastor goes out there, and he looks at the funeral director, and the funeral director is frantically calling 911 after he told him earlier, you better call the police. And, and the guy had said, let me handle it. I got this. And he said, well, he didn't have it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we were dealing with Jerry Springer show while you were going through that. <laughs> I can't even believe it. It was like a circus. Oh, my goodness. You just never know what's going to happen at a funeral. Well, my husband. Well, she showed up her authentic self. Yeah. Well, I mean, by the, well, by the time I got out there, it was just two hairballs blowing in the wind. I'm I just had missed the whole thing. Well, we had, so we, so both sets of kids who got married have, Two sets of parents. Both of them come from split homes. And I was crossing my fingers and toes and legs and arms and all that stuff that there wouldn't be any drama at the wedding um, between any of the... It went beautifully. It went beautifully. There were a few things that I think only us as family would know and and have noticed. Um, But for the most part... Everything was good. Everything was fine. He's wheezing. Um, and uh, and so, but I mean, it was it was gorgeous. I mean, it was a gorgeous wedding. It was a gorgeous day. We had it outside. It was like seventy degrees outside with the sun right on your back. And so, I mean, it was perfect. It was it was absolutely perfect. It was a perfect day for a wedding. It was a perfect wedding. Um, their their vows. They said their their own vows, and they made me cry. Well, your son-in-law's mom wore her hair for three days. She said, because <laughs> I did hair that day, and she said, uh, I don't know what I got to do to pay you to get you to do this it's, again. It's her I'm profile wearing a picture. <laughs> <of> <laughs> <our> <laughs> <wedding>. <laughs> yeah. 
She loves it, girl. She said, I've had my hair. I haven't she taken my said, hair. I'm living for this. <laughs> Hey, if you can get a hairstyle to stay for three days, she was living for it. And a in there, and it was it all high. <laughs> that is funny. Oh goodness! So, well, back to authentic self. I mean, that is it, it's family. It's you deal with that stuff. I mean, if you walk around just being picture perfect Christian, it's so hard to live up to that. I just don't have time for all that. If you if you want someone to love you, that's going to be me. I think for a long time I I saw people that I admired. I admired their walk, and there's nothing wrong with admiring, by the way. Um, but I admired these women and men that I saw in our church and even outside of our church, special speakers and just people that I really admired, and I tried to mimic and. Not not in a facetious way or an ugly way, but because I I admired so much, I thought to myself, if I could just be like that, you know, they're so yeah. intelligent, so their heart's so beautiful, and and they're just such a great Christian, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I kind of got lost in that for a while, um, trying to be somebody that God didn't call me to be. Well, the thing is, is if you're trying to be somebody that you see once every six months and it's on a Sunday when they're standing behind a pulpit Mm -hmm. being the best version of them that they could ever be, you're never going to live up to that because Mm -hmm. you can't be the best version of yourself every day, all day, all the time. There are times you're going to mess up. There are times you're just... You're not going to feel like putting the 100% effort in. So, uh, I mean, you just, there are days where getting 10% effort is all you can do because that's all you got in you to do. Yeah. Um, you just have to, you have to give everything you can give that day. And if you're trying to live up to being that 100% all the time, you're going to fail. And then when you fail, you're going to feel like a failure and you're not going to want to get back up. Because it's like, I can't I can't yeah. be that person. Well, that person isn't that person all the time. They don't look like that every day. They look like that for an hour in a church service. <laughs> well, and even then, it's a real... It's likely I'm either going to walk out with coffee stains on my dress, or it my dress tucked into my underwear, <laughs> or I'm going to wear the... Or at the old building where the wind flew... <laughs> You flashed everybody. At the wedding, the wedding, the dress I had, it had it was flapped over, like it had a, a wrap. Flat, it was a wrap dress, and I was like, as I'm walking down the aisle with my son, I'm holding my dress in one hand because I had walked outside and the wind had just went like this, parted the red seams. And luckily, the way the dress was made, the one flap pretty much stayed, and then I had a black slip on underneath it, so you weren't going to see anything anyway. But I'm like. I don't want to make anybody think they're going to get a show. So I'm, and they're, and nobody's even going to realize that I'm holding this dress. They're going to see me with my arm through my son's arm that we're walking. They're not even going to pay attention that I'm holding onto my dress. They're probably going to think I have tissues in my hand, which I do. And I'm just, it's down to my side. Um, so I mean, well, there, there was, um, what, a uh, Sunday before last, I was praying for somebody and I swear I had a booger. I knew I had one in my nose and I was just praying that they didn't see it while I was trying to pray for them until I could get to a tissue. But I was in mid prayer and I wasn't stopping. So I was praying booger and all. 
So that's Amen. what you're going to get. Yeah. You're so, going to get what you get and you don't throw a fit. But for me, that was that was a really hard thing to, to overcome, though, because I, I remember even when I was in the world, I fit in, but I didn't fit in. And I felt, I think I felt that same way whenever I chose the Lord and I I started following him and I started reading my word. I actually started having a relationship with God and I started learning about him. I started to mimic some things I saw and they weren't bad things. Um, I just, I, I think I've, I think most of my life I've always so desperately just desired to fit in and to be enough for somebody and um, I, if I'm being so, so honest, I mean, again, like I said earlier, this is year eight. I'll be, I'm coming up on year nine. I think I'm just now at this point, and I hate to say that, but that's this is my journey. This is how mm-hmm. it's been for me. I think I'm just now really figuring out who I am in God. And I think these last few opportunities I've had to, to bring the message, bring the word, I think that the change in those things um those opportunities is been because i have figured out who i am now and i think i operate best when i'm just megan megan's goofy let me tell you (laughs) something i i learned today okay and and brother Derek probably is going to preach this so pretend like you didn't hear it from me (laughs) well it it is in the bible so it's not even my words (laughs) but jesus showed all the emotions all the emotions he, he showed anger he flipped mm-hmm. over tables he he's jealous for us he cried he wept you know he was serious he was sad. sleepy he was tired he was sad he was all of the things but you know the bible never talks about him laughing because he will have the last laugh because the bible says that the lord will laugh at our calamity when we don't follow him he was his authentic self through the entire Bible. And the Bible says that laughter does the heart like a medicine. Yeah, does good like a medicine. So it is a, it is a wonderful emotion. But I think it's really, I mean, like jaw-dropping that it never talks about him laughing. And like, I think what? he probably, I think he probably, I, I think of that he probably did laugh. Oh, yeah, with, of you know, with his disciples and they had fun. If you've watched the Chosen series, it actually shows him with his disciples and they're laughing and they're cutting up. He's my up new Jesus, I'm telling you yeah, right now. Yeah, and they're, they're <laughs> laughing and they're cutting up. and But the laugh that he's talking about in Revelations, yeah. it, it's a different kind of laugh. It's yeah. a different kind of, I mean, it's a full body. Oh, you done messed oh, up. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because um, I, he's not going to rejoice for the people that he lo- he no. lost. He's that's not no. what it is. It's different. It's a, yeah. it's not the same emotion. Yeah, but I think it's so important that we show up as our authentic selves. Because you look at the ministry of Jesus when we were gifted with his fleshly presence here, um, you see the miracles that were done in three years. You know, yeah. it, just think about how many how many miracles you know greater works you'll do. So think about yeah. that for a second. Could it be that we don't see those those greater works and those greater outpourings and those greater ministries that are truly impactful and they don't just appear to be, but they're actually being the hands and feet because we're not our authentic selves? Think about this. This is this is I I, I studied this this morning, but so the, the if they Peter and John healed that man. They, they said, get up and walk, right? Be- their faith healed him. Yeah. 
So faith can come by the minister. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, miracles can come, come by the minister. And then also the Bible talks about the faith of their, the person's faith. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Her faith brought, the, brought her healing. So we have our faith that brings miracles. We have the minister's faith that brings miracles. And then we have the faith of the people around us. Right? Because the Bible talks about... Or two or three are gathered together and to bring your needs before the elders yes, of the church. Yes, it talks about, uh, about all kinds of different miracles that are happening. You know, so what if we go to church and the man of God has faith that the miracle is going to come? And we have faith that the miracle is going to come. And you have faith that the miracle is going to come. There's nothing in the world that can stop God from, from moving in that kind of atmosphere right. of faith. That is what mir- that's, that brings. That can't, you can't help but bring miracles from that. Because they didn't say, hmm, well, you know what? If, if, you, if you do this, you may get a miracle, so step out. No, they say get up and walk because they believe. And I think now we look at that and we when we think of miracles we think of somebody being healed they walk in they have a broken foot they walk out and the foot's healed that they brother keith this week where he went for the heart cath and and they had said that he had some kind of blockage then they do the heart cath and they said your arteries are fine they look like 18 year olds um those are the miracles we think about but i'm as we're sitting here, God's like, and he's like, he's like, you've seen people healed from addiction. It wasn't an instant thing, but here they are nine months, a year later, and they're still in church. They haven't gone back to the life that they knew before. That's, that's a miracle. Um, we've seen the miracles of charges being dropped that hopefully shouldn't have been dropped that shouldn't have been let go that would have put people behind bars for years um those that's that's a miracle we've seen families restored we've seen um, men and women who haven't seen their kids in years who now if they don't have custody of them they have them more they see them more now than they have in five ten years yeah you know i mean those are those are miracles and we overlook those sometimes because we get used to oh well of course they did it i mean well, we of course god did it we get so i mean we get so small-minded think about this okay so we pray for the bill to get paid like oh my gosh lord i've got this i've got this bill that needs to be paid you know we our taxes right now we have a tax issue so taxes need to be paid and yada 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 and I'm thinking small. The Bible says that God will, he can provide exceedingly and abundantly above all things we could ask or think. So if he can provide exceedingly and abundantly above all the things that we could ask or think, why am I praying for just a bill to be paid? Why am I not praying for God to give me the wealth to pay all bills so that I can go and sow into other people and build the kingdom of God? I'm thinking small. Right. And he's playing chess while I'm playing checkers. Right. I'm not playing chess checkers anymore. I'm not praying for one move. I'm praying for the whole game. I want the Lord to give me the wealth 
the provision that I need to really make an impact. And, and I'm, not, I'm not praying for little miracles anymore. I'm not playing for, praying for little bitty moves. I want the big stuff. I want to see people get up and walk. I want to see whole families restored. Yeah. I want to see generational curses broken because I believe they can be. Yeah, they can be. Yeah. And they will be. But you wouldn't pray those prayers and you wouldn't speak such faith if you weren't walking in your authenticity. God, God made Holly. God made Holly to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to desire a certain way, and you have picked up your identity in Christ. And, and you because you've done that, that's why you're believing for big, because that's your identity. That's who he made you to be. That's your authentic self in Christ. And, and you've you discovered that. if you have seen those small miracles, you wouldn't know to believe for the big ones. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, we... Some, there, are t- there are a lot of times where God has to start small because that's where our faith is. We're small-minded. You know, that's, that's where our faith is. Our, we have, he says you have to have faith the size of a mustard seed. And there's times where our faith isn't even the size of a mustard seed. It's smaller than that. And we have to build up to that mustard seed faith. Um, you know, I mean, a baby doesn't come out of the womb and start walking. It, it has to... to sit up first and then it has to wobble and then it has to crawl and then it walks um and there are times where we want to be that christian who just goes from being birthed to walking well we want to skip the process we want to skip the process that makes that makes chucky that's not a real baby yeah yeah (laughs) and and it makes it so it makes it to where it makes it to where we fall yeah because we want to skip the process, we want to we want to skip learning how to sit up and learning how to crawl and then pulling up to things and walking around things. We want to skip that whole process and then we fall and we get hurt because we fail because we didn't have the strength we needed to be able to walk yet. And so many times in that process, that process of learning to walk when we fall, we don't get back up. We're not willing to open the door to be sharpened i mean there's been i it's mean painful. it is painful nobody wants to hear that they're being dumb nobody wants to hear that you're making goofy decisions and you're tell me not how this think, is my fault tell me how this is my fault <laughs> that really happened so i'm at work and i mean i'm all in my feels all the time and and i am operating from ego Mm-hmm. That's the problem. I spent years operating from ego. I was a good salesperson. So um, I still am a good salesperson. But, but because that was my identity and everybody owed me something, I was uh, impossible to be around. So um, somebody did me wrong and I go in and I sit down and I tell my boss who is now my pastor tell me how this is my fault and I mean he still uses it messages today that's been 15 um, no 19 years ago but and I've grown since then because I've been I mean I've had lots of meetings where he said, you are not showing up right. That's not who you've been called to be. And and it's not. That's not who I am anymore. Right. And I 
now I know why it's my fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I use that exact same phrase when God was getting on to me. When I, I poured out all the stuff that had happened to me and all the stuff that had, you know, who, that, the person who'd done me wrong and all this stuff. And, and then I feel that pit in my stomach. Well, we're in the victim And loop. I'm like, and I'm like, okay, so I know that you're, because I, you know, I got through with everything and I expected the, you're right, you, you were done wrong. And that's not what I got. I got that pit in my stomach and then I was like, okay. But even if Tell you, me how this is my fault. But even if you were right, it's not about being right. No, it's not. It's that's not it, being right is so far removed from the point. Right. Because there's times where we get hurt and we are right. We are right. But it doesn't even matter. It what matters is how we deal with it and how we interact with that person. There's people that's we the go gross. to church. Yeah, there's people we go to church with right now who still Treat me salty. Yeah. That's every church. Years That's years everywhere. later. <laughs> but you know what? It doesn't matter. No. It's it is it's so small, it's the size of mouse poop. Yeah. But maybe you're called to authentically be their teacher. Well, because I that's learned how I learned I... how to stop being a rear end whenever I kept being rear end folks and they weren't being it back. Mm-hmm. And then instead of focusing on their hateful behavior, their response to me, I actually was able to focus on, I was actually able to notice my behavior first and foremost. Um, And and just to kind of wind up just a a hair, I I wanted to say, you know, we're talking about being our authentic selves and y'all were talking about, you know, believing and doing all these things and sometimes not knowing. Well, I think it's important equally to to operate who you're called to be, but... um, there's times I just don't have the answer. There's times that I know I know what to do. I'm not there yet. And there's times that growth has to be had. And I think if we're our authentic selves, we can't be scared to say, I don't know the answer. I don't answer. know the answer to that. Um, I, I'm not there yet. You know, I, I've got more pruning to do. You know, I've got, you know, I think it's, I think that we have to be real with who we are, where we're at, um, where we start and where God starts, you right. know. Um, well, that's like to go back to the very beginning when Sister Holly asked me, do you find that people don't come to you and ask you questions about that um, if because you don't have experience with that? You know, do you find that people don't come to you and ask you or a question about that because you don't know about partying and you don't know about mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol and that kind of thing? Um, if somebody does come to me, I have to be willing to push them or direct them to another person. Because if I don't have the words to say, if I don't have the, the, the knowledge, because that wasn't my past, that wasn't something I've gone through, I have to be willing to say, I don't have that answer. But I do know somebody who went through something similar if it's okay, can I get you with that person? Um, so many times, especially work, and I know a lot of people, a lot of times with work, people don't want to um, don't want to admit that they don't have the answer um, because no. it makes them look like they're 
not important because they don't have the answer. Hey, I'll tell you I flat out. I don't even know where the address of that is. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but I think I think we would we do ourselves a disservice. We do other people a disservice. We do our job a disservice when we aren't um, honest about our knowledge and our talents. So, I mean, that's that's how I feel about that. Yeah. She said, that's how I feel about that's that. Feel that's about what that. I got to say about that. And that's all I got to say about that. That's what I got to say about that. hilarious. <laughs> well, I think that I think that that's, I think we're going to end on that note. Um, authentic self. I mean, I think it's important in the day we're in before we close this out. I just want to just note that, that we need you to be your authentic self. God needs you to be your authentic self in him because he did create you for a purpose. He put gifts inside of you, talents, love, mercy that's not of this world and that needs to be birthed. And so we need to walk through this life um being who we're called to be in Christ because that's that's when revival hits and right. that's when people like me who were so lost get touched. Um yeah, we're going to end on that. Um, authentic self. Okay. Um, don't forget, you can get a, catch us at Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, Kick It, Don't Quit It. And then our Gmail account, kickdon'tquitpod at gmail.com. Um, Megan is over here shooting spider webs <laughs> from her spotty fingers. Um <laughs> We love you guys. Y'all be blessed. Authentic.